0: So I've got a huge problem coming up in a couple of weeks. What is that? Trial of Steve Bannon, July 18th, happening here in Washington, D.C. The very same week, the Student Action Summit coming up, Tampa, Florida, that Thursday, July 22nd to the 24th. So what do I do? Do I stay in D.C. and cover Bannon or do I leave someone behind, head down and say, I'm going to figure this out. Folks, I'm going to figure this one out because I got to do both. I got it. Look, when, when you're Jack Posobiec, when you're running human events daily, sometimes things like this occur. So if it doesn't get postponed, we get the trial of Bannon the same week as the Student Action Summit. And I'll tell you one thing right now. I am not going to miss the Student Action Summit. That is Tampa, Florida, 22nd to 24th. You've got President Trump, who is going to be there. Governor Ron DeSantis. You've got so many amazing conservative speakers. And by the way, if you want to go in, you want to go in. TPOSA.com slash SAS, link is in the description. Promo code POSO, P-O-S-O, gives you all the access and 25% off. TPOSA.com slash SAS. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's June 20th, 2022, Adeno Domine. Today's headlines, a mass shooting at a Juneteenth celebration in Washington, D.C., just last night. Next, a Texas newspaper. Has a story out that Uvalde police, according to surveillance footage apparently, never tried to open the door to the classroom where Ramos was inside shooting students. Next, the World Swimming Organization has banned biological men from women's events. And finally, Russia attacking US-backed fighters in Syria at an American outpost. Huge news show today. All this more ahead, Human Events Daily. since Mochella ended early. Huh? There they go, look. Man, right they shooting. Man, right they shooting, look. They shooting. Hey, same time. Same Yeah. He's yeah. doing tape, y'all. Black, black, y'all. You black, African-American, whatever, yo, y'all got to do something different, yeah. Well, at a Juneteenth event just last night here in the city of Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, by the way, mass shooting broke out. And in fact, as we watched some of the videos, and I went through watching these videos last night, it almost appears as there's multiple iterations of shooting at this event because at that point in the video you just watched, for example, The police are already there. Guys are already filming. It looks as though um, it's in the aftermath of one of the initial shootings. Then there's a response shooting that seems to have taken place. But as of right now, as we sit, one teenager was killed, three adults, including a police officer, uh, were injured. And this is according to foxnews.com. So it also says that a spokesperson for the Metropolitan Police Department told Fox News that four people were shot at the Cella event, which was a music event being held in D.C. for the Juneteenth commemoration, including one police officer who did not return fire because it was a crowded area. Police Chief Conti said later the victims included a 15-year-old who was pronounced dead at the scene, two adults, and the officer. The MPD officer was shot in a lower extremity and is expected to survive. The adults were transported to a local hospital. I think I saw that they, uh, something where they're saying that the officer was shot in the foot. Uh, they confirmed that a juvenile male who was shot, this is at U Street Northwest, did not survive, is now deceased. Um, officer is recovering. Okay, there's just some more articles on it. The event itself was an unpermitted event, took place at 6 p.m. in connection with. Mochella, which is described as an advocacy festival amplifying the culture of Washington, D.C. Folks, what's going on in our cities, right? So we've got this new holiday. We've got Juneteenth, right? And Juneteenth, as some people say, it commemorates the end of slavery, although Juneteenth wasn't the actual end of slavery. That came much later with the ratification of the 13th Amendment. Um, Juneteenth was only the end of slavery in the Confederacy, the final state of which would be the state of Texas. So in, uh, in 1865, June 19th, that was the last Confederate state to end slavery. But slavery still continued in the North for several, uh, several more months. And then eventually the uh, 13th Amendment was ratified. That being said, the shooting took place in D.C. It's like we have these celebrations. We have fun and games, food and circuses, bread and circuses and yet we can't seem to do anything about our crime problem we can't seem to do anything to actually help the people who are alive you know today We'll celebrate things that took place in the past. We'll talk endlessly about them. We'll debate about them. We'll argue. We'll say, you know, it's, it, it should be a new Independence Day and a second Independence Day for America. It's, it's really this, this, you know, July 4th doesn't go far enough because 1776 we sell it slavery. So you have to go all the way to Juneteenth and we'll argue this back and forth. And yet we'll argue and argue about things that happened hundreds of years ago. But we won't talk about things that are happening in our cities right now. We won't talk about things that are happening. And I guarantee you, by the way, I guarantee you this story will be out of the news cycle by, you know, probably the end of the week. It's probably out of the news cycle already, right? There was an assassination attempt at a U.S. Supreme Court justice's home a couple of days ago. Nicholas Roski was his name. Yet if you ask people, say, hey, who's Nicholas Roski? You heard of this guy? No one can even tell you who he is. They won't tell you about the mass shootings that are going on in all American cities every single weekend. They won't tell you about the homicide rates that have been ticking up since 2013. What could it be? What movement got started in 2013 in the wake of Ferguson, in the wake of Freddie Gray, right? Well, Freddie Gray came later, right? What movement could it have been that led to the attack on police officers, the lack of policing in these cities, and the rise of the homicide rates? But we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it because it's not politically correct. And elected conservatives and, and just elected officials in general, they're scared to talk about it. We want a country where people can be safe. If you want to celebrate something, go celebrate, right? But we want criminals off the street so that they can do so safely. So that families, all families, right? You know, all lives matter, etc. We want everyone to be safe. That's the point of prosecuting crime in our cities. Well, Disney's latest woke train wreck, the Buzz Lightyear film, has collapsed at the box office. Uh, not only did they add a bunch of woke scenes and woke characters, but they canceled Tim Allen, who's a conservative, from playing uh, Buzz Lightyear, which we all know Tim Allen is the voice of Buzz Lightyear. they just always been like that for something like 20 years, 20 plus years. They won't do it anymore. Why? Because Disney doesn't care. Disney has gone woke. And this is Get Woke go broke. Across the country, Americans are discovering that if you want to change the nation, you have to fight it economically. This is economic warfare. Woke corporations, they're dividing us. The banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their views. You, people, you have people who refuse to talk to people who have different views anymore, and our supply chains are becoming more dependent on countries that work against our values, like the People's Republic of China. It is time for a change, and that change starts with you and your wallet. That is why Human Events Daily is proud to partner with Public Square. Public Square is the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. so easy to download. You can get in contact with your local community, the local businesses that work with you, and you you can work with a... Uh, a restaurant that only buys from local farms or a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates or a bank that will just never cancel you. You go to Public Square. Download Public Square today, Apple App Store or Google Play. You just get a free account, download it. You can put your business on there for free so your local community can find you. Download it today. Public Square, Public SQ. Economic Warfare. Take action. So over the weekend, this story popped, and the Post Millennial has it up—a uh, total write-up of it. But there's a story being reported out of a local newspaper, San Antonio Express News, down there in southern Texas, that they have a law enforcement source who claims that in the investigation into the Evaldi shooting—and we're not going to let this story go away because obviously this was a horrific crime that took place. In one of our communities, something that we don't want to happen anywhere, right? The targeting and killing of children in a schoolhouse, certainly not Texas or anywhere else. They now have surveillance footage of this, according to the, to the report. And that due to a possible malfunction with the door locks inside, the doors to the classrooms, I want to be very specific about this, what they're saying the doors to the classrooms where shooter Salvador Ramos killed nearly two dozen people, mainly children may have been unlocked the entire time officers were inside the building. And yet officers did not try to open the door earlier in the standoff. Now, what are they going through on this? What are they they seeing? According to the report, surveillance footage from inside the building revealed that officers did not make an attempt to enter the doors of classrooms 111 and 112, where Ramos injured or killed the victims of the Robb Elementary School shooting. According to the timeline, as we now know it, Ramos enters Robb Elementary at 1133. And remember, there was that story. Remember that story about the teacher propping a door open. But now, of course, the teacher has come out and said that, no, she did close the door, that it wasn't propped open, but that there was a malfunction with the door. Right. What does this mean? There's a security system inside the schoolhouse. Which me which maintains that all doors electronically automatically lock when you close them. And the idea is supposed to be that you can't reopen them then without a pass. So whether you're uh one of the external doors, like the teacher was at, yeah, um, you know, steps out to take a call, steps out to have a smoke a cigarette, etc., right, you would need to prop it open to get right back inside if you didn't want to use your pass, or right, you would then go right back in. But if it didn't, if it didn't lock electronically, then could there have actually been, and this is something that apparently the police are investigating right now, was there a malfunction with the doors on the day of the shooting? Now, obviously, the next question would be that if there was a malfunction with the because like, think of it, right? If the electronic system was supposed to automatically lock the doors when they shut, how was it that the shooter was able to enter classrooms 111 and 112. Because this doesn't just apply to the external doors, it applies to the internal doors. So that if you close those doors during school hours and during a class, you're supposed to have to have a pass to be able to open the doors. Yet somehow, after the shooter, he, he bypasses that first door. He goes in from outside to inside. Now he's inside. Now he's looking to get into the classroom. Remember, the devil's in the details with these things. He's still able to get into room 111 and 112. And these rooms, by the way, are also apparently connected by a connecting bathroom. They have Jack and Jill bathrooms. And so he's able to access them internally through the bathroom. But but how did he gain access to the rooms themselves if the rooms are supposed to be automatically locked? That's number one. And obviously that needs to be investigated and we need to find out what went wrong with the security system. But here's number two. The obvious question then becomes, if the doors were unlocked and the shooter was able to get in, then why was it that the police had to wait and depending on how you count, 77 minutes in total or 40 minutes from when they first arrived, why did they need to wait for a pass key to go into the room where the shooter was, right? This obviously shows not only a breakdown in communication, but really just a breakdown in overall security, overall systems, overall processes. Because when you have one of these catastrophic events, it always starts small. And it might be right, you might just be able to go back and, you know, play devil's advocate here, right? And so for purpose of discussion, we'll say, let's say there was an economic malfunction, which is according to The San Antonio Express News is what they're investigating. When electronic malfunction might not seem like a big thing at first, but then when you add on top of that, the doors aren't locking, and then you add on top of it, you've got this crazy kid with a gun who's coming down the street, he's shot his grandmother, stole her truck, now he's crashed it, creating a diversion, now he's going in, you have cascading failure. And that's what happened here. So in any investigation like this, you have to get the facts and then work your way backwards to fix every problem along the chain. Well, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that authorities in California have uncovered an entirely new category of crime. It's called crime tourism, and apparently criminals from South America are coming to the United States on tourist visas, burglarizing homes, and taking the loot back down over the border. Sadly, being prepared is now a necessity, and we've seen the crime from shootings in D.C. to shootings in every major city, and even spilling over into the suburbs. Thankfully now you can be ready in your own home with iTarget Pro. iTarget Pro is a revolutionary system that allows you to dry fire practice with your own actual firearm anytime right in your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range. You will save a ton of ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. Dry fire training will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and so much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm you own. Go to iTargetPro.com right now. You will save 10%, plus you get free shipping with promo code POSO, the smartest way for you to practice, and it pays for itself in just one day. That's the letter iTargetPro.com TargetPro.com promo code POSA. We will put the link in the description. I've got the iTarget myself. I love it. My father loves it. My father-in-law loves it. My wife, Tanya Tay, loves it. Even my mom loves the iTarget Pro. Go get one for yourself today. You will love this thing. How does it make you feel when you think about the fact that you're the first transgender person to ever win an NCAA Division I championship? I'm, I'm very humbled and, and honored to to hold that title um, and I can only hope that I'm able to give other trans people the inspiration and motivation I was given. So there's been a lot of discussion lately as to whether or not we're experiencing a rightward shift in the West. Are we in the midst of a right word shift? And you can look at a few things, like you can look at polling, of course, um, going into the midterms, polling for presidential approval, um, Johnny Depp winning his defamation case against Amber Heard, right? The downfall of Me Too, hashtag men too, people are saying. And then you also look at something like this, this next story, and you ask, are we mo- experiencing a rightward shift? Or, as I would say, we're actually experiencing a shift closer to the middle. Because we used to essentially be in, at least in the United States, a center-right country. Like that's that's basically who we were. We were center-right country, center-right uh, society. And yet along came the left, starting with the sexual revolution in the 60s, and then that expands out through the 90s, and then it keeps going and going and going through 2013 when they start actually going after the police and saying, no, well, no, it's the police's fault and we should actually be able to commit crimes, right? We've experienced this massive, massive leftward shift. And so, yes, we are shifting to the right, but only in the sense that we're shifting back to the middle, back to the original Beginning point of a center right country and a center right Western hemisphere. So, where are we getting to? Right, the FINA. So, the FINA is the federation that administers international water sports competitions. They released new rules just yesterday that ban men who identify as transgender from competing against women. Post millennial has the story. The new FINA rules stipulate that a man who identifies as transge- as a transgender woman can only compete against biological women if they completed their transition before the age of 12 and then continually and consistently suppressed their testosterone. And you realize how politically correct we are at this point, that you have to make some kind of scientific uh, hormonal argument to be able to be talking about this, because obviously the issue then would be that if you're taking testosterone, right. As a, as a, uh, as a, as an athlete, right. That's a performance enhancing drug, obviously. Right. So this would be something that would be banned for anybody else that were, was partaking in competition. You, you can't do that, right. Go to the Olympics. You can't take performance enhancing drugs or they're checking you left, left and right. But because of political correctness and also because, by the way, don't, don't even think for a second, don't even think for a second that big pharma is not looking at the transition issue and realizing the billions with a B, billions of dollars that are, they are going to be able to stand to reap the windfall if all of this goes through, right? They have a financial incentive to support the transgender agenda because they are making money of people who transition. am just going to leave that out there. The FINA noted that an open category, because of being so careful, is a landmine, right? It's a landmine or a minefield, you know, of, all of these different issues, political correctness. Can we say this? Can we say that? Well, they're going to set up an open category for transgender athletes that don't meet the criteria for women's competition. A working group will determine over the next six months how these open divisions will be set up in the policy which goes into effect today. It writes that, Without eligibility standards, based on biological sex or sex-linked traits, we are very unlikely to see biological females in finals, on podiums, or in championship positions. And in sports and events involving collisions and projectiles, biological female athletes would be at greater risk of injury. Oh my goodness! The FINA is coming out saying that biology is real, science is real, research is real, data is real, empirical reality is real that if you are a biological male, you are going to have a greater amount of physical strength than a biological female, on average, if you are a professional athlete. That being said, I'm in Washington, D.C., and most of the, I think they're biological males that are around in this city. They don't seem like the regular biological males that you might meet, I don't know, just walking down the street anywhere else. My parents are visiting Texas right now. Plenty of biological males in Texas, no question about that. You walk around D.C., you're like, I think that's more like a biological, you know, pear-shaped, soy, amorphous blob mass of a person. Not exactly sure if that would be allowed to compete in women's water sports. What's interesting about this too to me is the idea that um, you got so many people who want you to to do something about Assad first, you're smiling. You've heard it so often. And yet when you press e- when you press the elected officials they say, well, what do you want us to do about Assad? Yeah. Take him out? Is that what you want me to do? Tell me how this ends, Charlie. You know, if, if, if you're Senator Charlie Rowe, tell me how it ends, Charlie. And there's President Biden, right? What do we do about Assad? What do you want me to do? I'm going to take him out? I'm going to take him out, man. You know, you're taking yourself out on bike rides in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. I don't think you're going to be taking out Right. The leader of Syria anytime soon. By the way, the previous administration, the Obama administration, right, tried for years to take out Assad. How did that go? Not so well. By funding, by the way. So what they were what were they doing? Right. We've got this story. Russia attacks U.S.-backed fighters in Syria at American outpost. And there was an airstrike. But then just just take the whole thing back for a second. It's just like Ukraine, just like in Syria. Why do we have U.S. fighters And also, US soldiers and US outposts in Syria. So, just like Ukraine, you have to go back. You have to go back a decade to understand what's going on. But 2011, in this case for Syria, why do we have this? It was called Operation Timber Sycamore. What's Operation Timber Sycamore, you might add? It was ended by President Trump, by the way. Operation Timber Sycamore was a regime change operation authorized by Barack Obama, vice president at the time, Joe Biden. Secretary of State at the time, Hillary, Ronald Clinton, they authorized the overthrow of Assad. And what were they going to do to, um, to achieve this? Senator John McCain, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Marco Rubio, a bunch of these people went over there and they said, we found moderate rebels. And the moderate rebels are ones that we are going to train to fight Assad and get him out of power. So you started and you exacerbated a civil war within Syria a decade ago at this point a decade ago and for some reason just some interesting reason this ISIS group is then created because what are we doing we're sending money in there we're sending weapons in there ISIS comes out of this so then we say oh we've got to send U.S. troops over there to fight ISIS but at the same time those same U.S. troops are still training these quote-unquote moderate, totally not jihadist rebels, totally not connected to ISIS in any way rebels in Syria, because we know because we're so smart and we're so good at foreign policy. So we've still got those troops on the ground right now. President Trump tried to pull them out. Didn't work. They lied to him. Essentially, the Pentagon at one point said they're all gone. Then they refused, and they told him no. H.R. McMaster, General McMaster, the National Security Advisor, told the president he wasn't allowed to do this. By the way, H.R. McMaster's got a piece out in Foreign Policy that says all of this is hap- all of this is happening around the world because America has been too restrained. That America has been too restrained. We haven't stuck our noses in enough people's business, and that's why everything's falling apart. No, General McMaster, it's the opposite. All of this is happening because we stuck our noses in other people's business because we are mucking around and mucking up in parts of the world that we have no business being into. We have no understanding of the thousands of years of history, of the conflicts that go back. These are blood conflicts that go back hundreds and thousands of years. We have no purpose for being there. We have no strategic national interest for being there. And yet all it's done is in the name of this crazy neoliberal globalist agenda to create more war. Well, that's all the time we've got today. Human Events Daily. Remember, our promise our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Our homework for you. Share this out with one, just one of your normie friends. And then leave us your five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you may receive your politics. Just scroll right down. Boom. Hit it there. Rate our show. Five. Of course, I always love to read the one-star ratings. I think they're hilarious, but I'll go read those. And if you feel so inclined, please write us a great review. What do we talk about today? Number one, mass shooting, a Juneteenth celebration in D.C. Next, Texas paper claims the Uvalde police never tried to open the door to the classroom. And apparently there's surveillance footage of this. Third, The World Swimming Organization has banned biological men from women's events and finally Russia attacking U.S.-backed fighters in Syria at an American outpost. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. On this day, 1867, the purchase of Alaska was announced To the American people, the purchase of Alaska. Keep in mind, who did we purchase it from? The Russian Empire. What was the issue here? The issue was we were so worried. The Americans at the time were so worried about England potentially coming in, taking that territory from the United States. Remember, just two years after this, in 1867, two years before the end of the Civil War, there were persistent rumors and a lot of documentation to back this up, that England almost came into the war, intervened in the war on behalf of the Confederacy. Thus, thus would have led to two separate American countries. Now, obviously the Union wouldn't have been able or been very hard to fight against the South and the, uh, the British Empire at the same time. The Russian Empire, on the other hand, intervened on behalf of the North by parking their Navy off the coast of San Francisco. The purchase of the Alaskan territory, again, stick it in the eye of the King of England. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, always be wary of the British. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.